Well, this week on Living an Ultra Life, it is my extreme pleasure to introduce you all to Chris Guerra. He is the he is now my coach, which I'm really excited about. It's the first time I've had a coach in my short running career and already making a difference. So Chris is the founder of Forge Glory Athletics. Welcome to the program, Chris. Hey, thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. And I will throw in there more of a partner in your journey uh, as opposed to a coach. You have such an awesome background that we're just kind of keeping the, the momentum in front of the wave going. So kudos to you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. So Chris, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you came from, what you're doing, and you're getting ready to make some big steps. So kind of just tell us about, a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, so Texas born, uh, Houston specifically, which uh, I don't know if you've been to Houston recently, but it is about the size of Texas. Uh, it's gotten so huge. Uh, haven't been back there in a while. Yeah, grew up there and then kind of kind of bounced around participated in a, in a couple of jobs here and there, and, uh, and then really locked in in the maritime community, which really transitioned into a 21-year lifestyle. Amidst that, towards the latter end, I found that in the executive leadership realm that I would just carry all of this stress, and I would feel like I had like all kind of like all this bandwidth that was just that I just didn't have access to. And I started looking into like different types of meditation. Um, yoga was the, the big ticket there and just wanted to get long and lean and, you know, reduce that noise amidst this journey. Um, had a conversation with, uh, with a friend that was a runner. This guy was, was doing big things. And he had mentioned that, uh, you know, he's like, Hey, I'm going to go out for this hundred mile run. And I was like, my mind, I kind of took a breath and I was like, what is that? Like, what is, what is 100 miles? <laughs> exactly. hundred miles at one shot. <laughs> uh, right. I'm like, uh, yeah, just the idea of that, which uh, we have to talk about a little bit later. Cause I have a whole, a whole theory on mileage and uh, like what resonates with people and stuff. That's, you know, that's for a little bit later. Anyway. So he, he goes out and he makes his attempt and, and I'm sitting there and he, and I'm thinking, I'm like, what is a hundred miles? Like I just, I'm sitting there and I'm meditating. I'm thinking through it. I'm working. And like, I just can't shake the idea of like, what of this distance and, and like what that looks like. So at the time it's like MapQuest, right? And I'm looking at MapQuest and I'm like, okay, I am here. What is a hundred miles away? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, you know, and uh, so I'm in Virginia at the time and I'm like, wow. I'm like, I could run halfway to DC from Virginia. I go, that is like, that, that's just insane. So I'm like, all right, do I have it? So we're sitting there around a campfire one evening. And, um, one of our friends is like, he goes, Chris, and I'm at the time, like, uh, like 260, uh, which isn't far off. Cause I'm 230 now. And he's like, you're just not built for it. He's like, you're a super strong guy. He's like, you're driven. You can accomplish anything to put your mind to, but running hundred miles, that's just, it's just not your, not your jam. And I'm, I'm kind of sitting there. I'm like, Hmm. So one thing that you probably don't know about me, Mike, is that if you tell me, no, it can't be accomplished. That is like, that's just enough fuel to get the fire started. You know, and- I was actually going to ask you that because when you said that, cause I was like, just, you know, the short time I've been around Chris, I can't picture 
what went on in your mind when somebody said, yeah, you probably can't do this? Because I'm thinking, yeah, Chris is probably like, okay, where, where do I sign up? Exactly. And it was one of those like, okay, well, if I'm going to approach this, I know that this isn't something that I can just put shoes on and, and go, you know, accomplish. So I'm like, let's take a pragmatic approach and let's start looking at some case studies and seeing what, what, what is an endurance runner? What is an ultra marathon runner? And at the time there, there wasn't a lot of literature. There was, you know, the, the book from Dean Carnassus, like born on the run. And there just wasn't a whole lot. Like, even if you look at, um, like training plans, like how Hagnan had some that were like how to train for a marathon and these templates. But as I looked deeper into this, I started to find that it didn't translate. Like you couldn't put these data points from these training plans and in the books that were written at the time and draw a trend line and say, okay, this is how I get to a hundred miles. Even to the point where like the local running store where, you know, you went in and they had like 26.2 on there, or they'd have like 50 K. And that was as high as the stickers went. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> so that's right. That's that is that all, all the further I'm allowed to run? Is that kind of what you what you yeah. thought? Then I was like, wait, and, and there's like these little signs. So I'm like, okay, is this a dangerous area? Like, is this something where I'm gonna get irreparable damage accomplishing something? Like if if companies aren't producing it and they're not marketing shoes that accommodate it, and there's not a lot of literature, like where are we in this? And does this even make sense? Through that, the question mark that ended all of these questions was this like metaphorical, no, you can't do it. So then you're like, well, what's the next question, right? So in the end, or I guess in the beginning of the end, I, I literally didn't have any answers, but I had a bunch of really great questions that I was like, if I answer these, this, the secret sauce is in there. So as I'm answering these questions, I was looking at it and I'm like, okay, 260 pound guy. We know we want to lose weight, but we really love food. We like happy, like mental wellness. Like my relationship with food is great, right? I know it's a fuel source. It's, it's always been there. I, I don't have any issues eating a zebra cake. Um, and some of the uh, athletes are probably going to giggle about this because they like hide them all over either my kit bag. I've even found them in uh, my sleeping bags on trips. So it's kind of funny. Thanks guys. FGA, appreciate it. Miss you guys. Um, but yet, you know, like a lot of people put a lot of uh, power in food and, you know, they feel like they need to starve themselves. And uh, one, one of the things I learned in, in this journey was, you know, treat yourself to the food that you like and food that makes you happy within reason. You have to ask yourself this question. This was a question I asked myself in the very beginning. Am I trying to get to hundred miles for the means of vanity or am I trying to get to hundred miles in the sense of accomplishment? And this was like a real question that I had to ask myself because one person that you can never lie to, never get away from, no matter what you say, write, preach, advertise is yourself. So if you say you're going to do something and you don't, you remember, right? Yes. So in all of those aspects, you, you can tell and you can market again, like you can say these things. So this was a question I was like, okay. I know that when things get hard and it's a wet, rainy, dark night and my headlamp just lost its battery because I didn't think about putting a new one in, I go, the person that I'm going to have to rely on is myself. And do I want someone inside of me saying, yeah, you're not really into this, right? Or you do believe that you can't make it. Or do you want someone to say, no, you ran the other day and it was pretty terrible. 
or it was really great, endure this and that day will come again. But to have just that person that believes in you, that is yourself, like your internal psyche that is just as confident because you keep showing up was like the answer to a lot of these questions. Yeah. That's awesome. So what year did you run your first ultra marathon? So the first year was 2016 and that was uh, Zion. Zion was my, my first. Um, So you went for the beautiful. I did. And I actually, I did have one race under my belt before that I ran the Norfolk Harbor half to even see, and that was four months prior to see if, uh, if running was actually like, we're going to do this or not. And I had kind of been training and like, like I said, answering these questions and building this plan. And when I had finished the Norfolk half marathon, (laughs) I was like, yeah, I got this. Uh, (laughs) I started writing this plan. And then four months later, I found myself towing the line at Zion with a lot of lessons to be learned, uh, in, in 32 hours. Yeah. Wow. So that was the Zion hundred, right? The Zion hundred, which in fact, I come to find out at this race, this was the big one that no ultra marathon is the distance that's posted on exactly sign up. It's not a thing when you cross, you you can't do it. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was devastated at mile 100 and found out there was still eight more to go. Yep. So Zion hundred was your first ultra marathon. So like you went from half marathon to a hundred. Yep. And I will say, obviously it's doable. Um, I did that, but it wasn't done well. And it wasn't done with like the elegance and the grace that I would want, uh, someone that's coming into the community, um, to like, to, to like, to endure, like to live that. I I don't think it was a, it was a healthy journey. It was really fun though. Like it was really fun to just shoot for the moon and with all the naysayers around you, it was just, it was really great. Um, you know, there's always that, that phrase that says like, um, you know, if you're the most driven person in the room, find another room. And it was kind of like that way, like you could really feel like, like the further I got, the more confident I felt, you know, the more in tune I was with, with, um, you know, with my own courage and strengths. Uh, in this element, it was really interesting to see how the circle around me like would fluctuate. And then who was there at, you know, the, you know, the metaphorical finish line when I came back in support of, it it was interesting. But in that, it also, it taught me that, hey, it can be done. And let's put some pen to paper and let's shape a program that can actually get people here safely and let's let's and let's get all the lessons learned so no one has to blinko chip into all of these like you know these dead ends of of injury so with that a couple of 100ks and 50ks kind of bounced around from there but um a year later i found myself at bigfoot bigfoot 200 and it was like okay now let's really test what we've learned and what we've put together which really the secret, Mike, is just slow down, right? Yep. <laughs> slow down yep. and appreciate where you are. I mean, and, and obviously there's more science to it, but really the big takeaway is just, just slow down a little bit. Um, you know, and I think we, we saw that here uh, even recently with, uh, with your training plan. It was like, you know, when we went out for that 24 miler and we're out on the beach. I was like, wow, this, this guy, you, 
has a really, really strong power hike, like something that I haven't seen before in some, you know, in someone. And I was like, that is his strength. We need to capitalize and build, you know, on that. And, but what it's going to look like is slowing down. And that's, then that's where the patience piece comes in, which is one of the pillars of, uh, they're the first pillar of Forge Blur Athletics was like appreciating the patience and that, and the fact that if I slowed down, I can go further is the hardest lesson. And we relearn all the time, but with you, you just picked it up. Like no big deal. I think you even came back uh, uh, on your, your next run and you're like, okay, so that worked. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, it does. There's another podcast that will be coming out soon. And one of my things that I've, I've been running ultramarathon since 2014, there has been quite a few DNFs in there. And, you know, one of, one of my friends in Colorado finally explained to me that DNF isn't, you know, didn't, did not finish, but did nothing fatal, uh, which helped reset my mindset on it. But the did nothing fatal actually got me thinking, I was like, you know, I'm part of the 99%. We're out there running and challenging ourselves in these races, not because we think we're going to be on a podium, but because we haven't figured out what our, what our capacity is yet. And if you can translate capacity, discovering your capacity in every facet of your life, you're going to be in for an amazing journey. So Forge Glory Athletics is one of these pages on my journey that helped reset my mind to it's okay to slow down to pursue just how far is Mike capable of running successfully without injury to be able to do it again the next day. And that's kind of one of the things that I love about your approach to running. Yeah. And, you know, it's, you brought, you know, you said something too, is, you know, it's, it's about going out and being able to participate in the things that you love the next day. Uh, It's about showing up and to be passionate, you have to, you know, you have to treat it as something precious, even something that is, you know, that's hard is something that's precious and it's something that's dear to you. And to lose that in injury, it's your body telling you like, Hey, find balance, right? The reason you're, you're hurt is because you don't have balance. And that's where we like, you have to start, you know, looking into these other modalities of how do I stay relevant in things I'm passionate about, whether it's running, whether it's, you know, religion, family, um, education, but finding that balance to where you can still be relevant and appreciate all of those different modalities daily, right? Exactly. I did not realize that you were so analytical. It sounds like you took and said, okay, if I'm going to do this, let's figure out how to do this in a way that it makes sense. And so it sounds like you've got a pretty analytical brain that I didn't realize was behind a lot of your approach to this. I appreciate that because one of the things that I take pride in is not the fact that I am analytical, but more so that when I message something or I try to communicate something to somebody that it resonates um, and hopefully inspires into them, you know, because I love being inspired and I love when things resonate. And when people say things that is truly profound, you know, it, it echoes. And I'm like, I need to go out and meditate on that, right? Which meditating for me is movement, whether it's hiking, walking, running, what have you. With that, you have to understand the biomechanics of it. You have to understand what it is you're doing. There's, I don't know if you remember that movie, um, 
oh, was it? it was with, with Tom Cruise, like Days of Thunder. And uh, he was a really great race car driver, right? Okay. Now I know which one you're talking about. Yep. Yep. Right. And one of the mechanics asked me, he's like, how do you not know, you know, how your motor works, or your tires and such? He's like, I don't know, I'm just the driver. But until he really understood the dynamic of the car and how it squat and what it did in the turns and how long the tires last and why you rotate them and engine RPMs and all those things, once he got into the mechanical side of it, then he became that the superior, right? The superior right. driver. And, and with that, and not to make it a, this a Tom Cruise reference, but when you really can understand the, the mechanics of what is going on, it really helps to communicate with folks to break it down in a way that's more palatable where, you know, you're not saying like, Hey, you have an anterior tibialis strain. You're like, well, actually your shins are exhausted because you are probably you're in a, in a drop that's too high and you're not lifting your knee high enough and your feet are exhausted because you're having to compensate for what the leg isn't doing. Therefore you wear out, you know, like the shins which a lot of people are like, oh, I got shin splints. And you're like, well, let's look at the drop and let's look how you're running, which is a really great tool for that. I'll kind of throw out there is too, is heading out to like the beach. So if you like, you run in the beach, what we'll do is we'll go for like, you know, a nice little, we'll look at like a 70%, a 70% taxing on your body. So if you're someone that's uh, an elite runner, then, you know, we'll, we'll make that 70%. Cause what we want to do is like wear you down. And then we look at that 30% and then we, you know, go run in the, in the hard pack sand. And then we'll essentially like look at the way your feet strike in the soft sand. And then we, and then we'll have you walk back in those footsteps. And then we'll say, this is the breakdown, right? Uh, this is why your hips are tired. This is why your posterior chain is wearing out, right? Or you could look at it as like, hey, this is why you are such an effective runner at the end in comparison to other athletes because look how your form looks right here because the sand, the sand is a telltale. We were doing that at the end of that last run we all did. And I was looking at everyone's footsteps in front of me and I was like, he's tired. I go, he needs some arch support. And it was, it was really fun to look at all the different marks in the sand and say like, hey, towards the end, you need to focus on this. So when you go back, you either need to stretch out or strengthen, you know, something in these, in, in these different, you know, modalities, depending on which, you know, type of runner you are. So, yeah. And you looked at mine and said, you're hitting heavier on your left side than your right side. Right. And so from that, I've been working on what was it causing me to land heavier on my left foot than my right foot. And so it's actually been fun trying to figure out, okay, well, how do I correct this? And how do I correct that form? Part of the fun to me is you know that there's a reason that you have these aches and these pains at the end of a hard run. What you should be doing is learning from them, not just going, okay, well, how do I recover from this? That's part of it. But you should be learning, okay, what is it that I can be doing to correct my form so I don't get that pain? So that's, that's one of the things I really appreciate about the way that you approach running is it, it should be about how do I do this without injury? I, I wish more, more running coaches would talk about shoes. Like I, I wanted a pair of shoes because they looked really cool and I bought them and immediately I started feeling the beginnings of plantar fasciitis. And I was like, yep, sending those ones back because it wasn't the right shoe for me. But I don't think enough people are willing to do that. And, you know, we've got too many people that are buying the cool shoes so that they can be faster. It's funny you say, because I saw a pair of shoes today. They're, uh, they have like a carbon fiber 
uh, inlay with a 40 millimeter stack, um, 10 millimeter drop. Oh. And they come in at eight and a half ounces. And I'm like, wow, this is everything. And they're, and they have zebra print. Um, and they look so fun. I don't know if, if you saw it on the thread, but they look so fun. But when you kind of break it down and you look at, you know, what the dynamics of what this shoe would do, it's a recipe for disaster, right? Yeah. You're, you have a, a really steep drop. You have a, a springboard that's not giving you that rebound, right? You want that proprioception, that ability for your foot to develop a picture of the ground and then, you know, get into simple physics, right? Where for every, you know, action, there's an opposite or equal where you're like, okay, I'm pushing this much energy into the ground. I want to feel this return, but then I also want it mitigated because I don't want to absorb it. And then how do I return into the next strike to manipulate that energy? And yeah, aside from this shoe, just looking really, really cool. I was like, this is just going to injure folks. Like I can already see where people would start to have like just that ITB inflammation, and, you know, saying like, Hey, my knees hurt. Right. And you're like, well, exactly. Actually, you're running, you know, on your toes, um, but looking cool is cool. You know, <laughs> it's, it's cool. It's, it's good. I, I think I'm one of those freaky people who I'm cool with not looking cool. I'd, I'd rather be able to run injury free today so that into my, when I, I keep telling my wife that I'm going to die running off the side of a mountain at about 126. So I still have a really long time to live, but you know, I want to be running at 126 on the side of a mountain someplace. And the only way to get there is to approach running now with the, with the, the practice of how do I do this without injuring myself. Living an ultra life is brought to you by Forge Glory Athletics. Forge Glory Athletics is a science-driven, client-proven, premier running company that instills strong, introspective pillars through disciplines of movement that award personal growth in multiple aspects of the athlete's life without injury. We must find the light within ourselves before others can follow. Christopher Guerra. Right, and you know, and on that, you know what is really cool is the athlete that is participating in an event like the um the 24-hour run for cancer out here in virginia at sandy bottom and is coming into the morning at you know 100 plus miles right yep. or even around like 70s 70s and above you're not looking at what shoes they're wearing you're not really even factoring in like what kit they have or their nutrition you're like that person is still participating. That's what's cool. When they just keep towing the line, they're like, yes, I get it. Like, you know, whether, you know, I'm dealing with all the things that you guys are doing, but I'm just, and I'm still here and I'm still competitive and I'm still relevant age agnostic. Right. But still exactly. participating. Yeah. That's cool. To me, I'm always like, yes, that is like, that's what it's all about. It's going out there and, and then saying, okay, I gave it my all, but I still have a little more. And then I'm going to take a day just to, you know, recenter and check. Then I'm going to get right back out there and I don't have to worry about being broken down because I've built myself up. I've tapered appropriately. I treated my race like the celebration that it is. 
And then I like give myself a little wind down and then I'm back participating in the thing, you know, that I love. Exactly. Most, yeah. One of the people I love seeing, and you, you probably know him too, is John Price. Love. Yes. Love John Price. Yeah. He should be finishing the Swami shuffle. If he doesn't finish tonight, he'll finish tomorrow morning. So for those that don't know the Swami shuffle, they start in Sandbridge, run all the way down to the tip of Hatteras and then back. It's a local, not really celebrated 200 miler that I think I'm going to do next year. And it's all self-supported. There's no aid stations. You support yourself along the journey and you, you finish. And it's to raise funds for Mission 22, which is um, a really cool organization that's doing stuff with service people suicide. There's, there's not, a statistic. Sure. Yeah. I, I, would, I would say that even with the COVID, like those numbers would not surprise me. Um, yeah. you know, I know that veterans even, even have come to me and said like, Hey, like, what is this? Like, I don't want to be a runner. I don't want to have knee injuries. Um, you know, even though I kind of chuckle in the back of my mind, when I hear that, but they're like, what is that? You know, what is the yoga uh, portion to that. What is that meditation? Because I have this moment and some, and, and what I usually respond with is like, Hey, let's not worry about the run. Let's just go for a hike. Exactly. Right? Just yeah. Come out and then just, you can just lay it all out. Right. And, yeah. uh, and then just having that, but I, you know, I've, I've seen some, some veterans come out that are really, you know, they've been a part of some really remarkable things and, um, that this country, um, is honored. Right. And I, I, I could say that the people have been honored to the, the, the sacrifice that they've made and, but it wears on them, um, you know, as it would any human. So, it would not surprise me if those numbers are 22. So yeah, yep. it sounds bad. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. So, but anyway, John Price is one of those people that he's just durable. You know, I mean, he's not going to get there fast, but he's going to tell the line and he's going to get there. And I admire that. Well, we saw him at, <laughs> so he does that, that VB to VB run. Yes. Uh, every, either every year, or every other year, which is uh, it's either from Virginia beach to visit to Venice beach or Venice beach to Virginia beach. And he has a stroller, um, which he kind of remarked last time uh, I spoke to him. This was at the 24 hour run that he hates uh, running through. I think it's Arkansas. It was, it was either Arkansas or Oklahoma, but he was saying that it's a difficult state to run in because the cops always get called. You know, he's an older gentleman running with a stroller in the middle of the night down the highway. <laughs> and people are all, every time they see this, they're, he's like, it's the only state I have an issue with. But That's funny. having this, uh, this conversation at the, uh, the 24 hour run, but you know, this year he had just finished the, the back half of the portion. Uh, so he'd finished at Virginia beach was home. And I think he did some race. And then I saw him at the dismal swamp where, uh, where you and I participated and he was doing the 50 K. Exactly. Yeah. He had gone down, he was down to Cape fear 24 hour, which is we, that was kind of the beginning of an insane six weeks of running that ended with the, with the, um, seashore 50 K. Yeah. He was down there and got, I'm, I'm pretty sure he got over like 62 miles. He got hundred K down at, you know, Cape fear 24 hour, but then he took off and ran something down in Kentucky. I want to say that was okay. another big one. And I'm just like, this dude is amazing. Well, and if you look at his times, right. If you look at his pace and distance, his, his pace, he has a, he has a window that he lives in and that window like doesn't change. But his average is usually around like 24 to 25 minute miles. And 
it's like when you see his movement and you see like you see this older gentleman and he's out moving and he's out running and you watch him and you're like it doesn't look like it doesn't look fast like we imagine a fast runner right right but that that just that left right repeat and that like that consistency and how like effective he is in his refueling and his sleep strategies that you know when you go and you, you really see this at those 24-hour runs the people that have that, that like go out hard and they need to take a nap and the people that don't like the distance in it. but what you see is like with with john is that he just accomplishes so much in one day in a controlled way that is like tuned in specifically to him that he can go out and mirror that every day. So he, you know, he was getting like 35 miles a day. And, you know, you may think, you know, like, Oh, I, I can do a hundred and sub 24 and you know, that's a lot, but you're like, yeah, but this guy is 35 miles on Monday. And that guy is 35 miles on Sunday. And then yep. he's just, you know, run, rinse and repeat. And that's his thing. And he even commented when I had a, it kind of pulled his ear on this and he was like, I actually get stronger you know, the further I go. And I remember making that comment at Bigfoot where it was this, yeah, it's always a blur, but it was the second morning. No, it was the second night. And I remember talking to my pacer, uh, Rick Alexander. And I was like, I feel stronger tonight. And he's like, how's that possible? I was like, I don't know. I feel like every day I'm, you know, it could be that I was hallucinating. Right. But no, (laughs) there's data that proved it, but I felt stronger. I was like running, and I was eating and I was eating just great food at these aid stations. Thank you, Candace Burt. Um, and it was just, it was like every day I got stronger. My feet definitely got more hammered, but uh, you know, musculoskeletal, I was like, wow, like I actually feel like stronger as we're going. So when he had mentioned that, I was like, okay, I was like, I'm not the only one um, putting, you know, writing that. So it was, it was great and re- very reassuring, but um, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what's on your schedule next for Chris Guerra? So we got two big events uh, coming up. Uh, we have the the first one. We have Dogwood Thirty Six Hour that's coming up. That's in Green Bay, Virginia. They were last year. They were the twenty four. Uh, it was a twenty four hour event. And they had twenty four, twelve, you know, or ten, and then you like ten milers and such. Um, but then now they've opened it up to to thirty six. So we're going to be heading out there, just getting time on feet. I kind of have an idea. I'm not. I'm not really shooting for a distance. I know that it would be nice to pull a hundred miles and take home a buckle. But the idea for me is just to get that time on feet um, to get us prepared for um, the premier race, at least my premier race this year, uh, which is going to be Cocodona. Cocodona is out there. It's uh, May 2nd through the 7th. And it is uh, essentially it's a race. I don't know if you've heard about it, but I know actually I know you do because you you just spoke with someone. Uh, she was she was brilliant. Yep. Christy Haswell. She'll be yeah. out there with you. Yeah. Uh, that essentially it's it's a race that starts just outside of Phoenix um, in Black Canyon, and it goes all the way up to Flagstaff. So essentially traveling multiple plateaus and desert, and uh, we're going to be Can all you, out there. and at the top of Flagstaff. So you and end it, in Flagstaff. You go, you end in Flagstaff just on top of the, uh, the Cocodino plateau. That's going to be a nice climb to end the race. There's a lot of, uh, nice climbs. Uh, I don't know if they're going to, if they're nice, uh, like the, <laughs> the first in the first, uh, 
11 miles or there's like an a station 11 but it, there's like 8,000 feet oh of elevation gain. so um it's it's funny so if you look check out my Strava I've been marking everything as like uh, cocoa climb or cocoa vectors or, or what have you essentially I'm mirroring I'm taking like a portion of the course and I'm like living that section of the course taking notes and then kind of breaking it up into the week and then we'll start essentially um, combining all of those so it'll be like cocoa one cocoa two da, 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 all the way through and then it'll be like cocoa one point whatever will be the combination of like what was spanned out over a week and then we'll kind of get it all together. And then dogwood will be like the first time that we'll act that, that I will actually kind of play with what I've built and we'll see, is this effective or not? But okay. Yeah. Should be an experience for sure. Heading out. That's awesome. Coca. Awesome. You're going to have so much fun. Coco Dunn is going to be a blast. I watched some of the film from last year's race and like you said, be patient. <laughs> well, and I, I think kudos too to, uh, you know, Air Vipa uh, running and, and what they've, put together and how they have the ability to um, broadcast where, you know, they were, they were broadcasting live uh, on aid station. So as you'd come into an aid station, you know, they're like, Hey, this is my corner bib number, what have you. And like, what do you think about today? And just to have that, that, that feed and the sponsorships that are, you know, that are out, out there and, you know, outside of like spot trackers um, where folks can actually like tune in and then watch you, on their phones of like, okay, this is where Mike is on mile, what have you. And he's at this position, you know, in comparison, he's ranked whatever. Um, but just to have that live feed where people can watch too, it's, it's just really, really unique. And I think that it's, it's fascinating to see that, you know, technology is there to do that now, you know? Yeah. It's, it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. Well, let's pivot a little bit and let's, okay. let's talk about forged glory athletics and what your goal is with this. And then you're getting ready to make kind of a transition career-wise here. So what if we combine kind of those two topics? Does that sound good? Yeah. All right. Fire away. All right. So, all right. Forge Glory. Forge Glory is, you know, outside of like the slogan and, and you actually have it captured eloquently um, in your, uh, in your sponsorship statement, but to, to message to the community, like to the trail community, to, you know, the road community, to the people that just want to get out and just move, right? Forge Glory Athletics is a family and everybody has been handpicked. Now, it's not that, uh, that I exclude people from being a part of it, but more so it is it's, it's a unique relationship that I find in, in athletes and an athlete can be someone that's running or, you know, even just walking a mile a day. Like you are an athlete in my eyes, but really it's that, uh, that fire that I'm looking for inside of somebody that is willing and wants to be inspired and inspire those around them. And with that, that's where I say, Hey, I want to build this relationship with you and you have my time. Um, you know, time with me is, is very, very precious. Uh, I'm a single dad. I have four children. I'm wrapping up a career. I retire in a few months and then I'm going to be transitioning to, uh, law school in new Orleans in, in August. Um, at which point I'm going to, you know, looking at expanding FGA. Um, so we'll have a, uh, we'll have a Virginia beach chapter and then we'll have a new Orleans chapter. And then we'll, you know, once we build that up, we'll see, you know, kind of what comes there. So 
you know, in that just gives us the ability to, to expand and spread this message of movement that doesn't have to come with injury. Um, so if you, if you get the chance to go out to uh, forgegloryathletics.com, uh, you can read about myself and then you can kind of read about, you know, some reviews of folks that have participated, such a wide scope of athletes from 5Ks up to 100 miles. And then we have athletes that are going to be competing, um, such as yourself at the 200 mile, you know, circuit, which is remarkable, right? But some, it just depends on where everybody is in their season. So, you know, uh, I teach everything from like, uh, like night training, which a lot of people are like, Hey, I'm a great runner, but I've never run at night. And it, it's surprising to see what people aren't comfortable with running at night. They're just, they haven't had that experience. Things to look for, you know, tips and tricks, where to put things in your kit. So then you don't have to guess or look down. Right. Um, or even just simple things like courtesy when you're talking to somebody flipping your headlamp up, like no one wants to be blinded, uh, little things where you're like, Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Like nobody wants to be that, you know, that person, but into the other side of the house where I talk about silent training, um, like silent training is another class that, that I talk about where it is a busy person. You will say you're like dropping the kids off to go play soccer. You're going to the grocery store and you have work. And then you're like, how do you fit the time into run? So, you know, here would be an example. An example would be what I found is useful in my relationship is we had an instance where we were all going to the water park and I'm like, okay, so I go in to get all the kids dressed and I pack all the bags and then the kids are kind of waiting and then everyone's kind of milling about. I was like, well, all right, where I live, I know that the water park is four miles away. So I'm like, okay, if I pack all the kids and they're all set and ready to jet, I can leave now. By the time they get there, I'll be 20 minutes behind them. So then I run, I got my four mile in 20 minutes behind. We enjoy the day. I make sure I'm hydrating, um, get all the kids prepped and ready to rock and roll. And then we run back and then I'm like 30 minutes behind. So really I was only away from the family for 50 minutes, but I still got my eight miles in, but I had, I just broke it up over those two, you know, vignettes. So there's little tips and tricks that, that I've played with ranging again from, you know, night training, heat training, cold training, uh, you know, just in even just that breakdown of like shoes where to me, one of the most important, like where you should start as a runner, if you haven't done it, go back to the foundation and build a relationship with your feet. Know what your foot looks like, appropriate shoe size. You may come to find that your right foot's bigger than your left foot. Your left foot like, should be in a larger shoe. You may find out, is your foot a sweaty foot or a dry foot? Do you need uh, like tincture bins with it? Or do you need like a lube kind of with these things? But there's, there's a lot of little things that people you know, just overlook or don't know that will save you a lot of time and bring just more joy to where you don't have to like, you know, go through these. If you're looking at a plan specifically though, and you're like, okay, I know that we get into the, you know, these little things and I, I, I'm not really ready for that. You know, I want more of like a package kind of deal, which that word can be kind of unnerving to people. Um, I have it broken down into patience, presence, and positivity, which are like the three pillars of the company. So, you know, overarching why those are the three pillars, be patient in the things that you do, be present for yourself and those around you and just bring positivity. You know, I've found that even in my darkest moments that if I just throw a smile on as sadistic as it looks to the pacer that's around you in the middle of the night, that it will flip the script on how you see yourself and how you approach your things. 
And everybody wants to be a part of a winning team. And if you can promote positivity, you'd be surprised, you know, how, how, um, how victorious you can be over things. One that last thing on positivity, so it doesn't become a niche word though, Mike, is that positivity is a, is a weapon. It is not a shield. Positivity isn't something you hide behind and you say, okay, as long as I got my positive armor, nothing can penetrate. No, no. The idea is to be aggressive with it. Like inject that into your community, inject that into your culture and just let that resonate. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's why one of the instructions, the key instructions I've given to my crew for the uh, Blackbeard Revenge 100 is I want you to be on the lookout when I'm out running and not at an aid station. I want you to be on the lookout for a runner who is struggling that I can catch up with because what energizes me the most is to come alongside somebody else who is struggling and help them get through that. And so I told him, I said, that's the number one instruction. Well, number one instruction is Jenny has to go to bed when it gets dark. Um, That's my wife. And number two is look out for runners that are struggling because my main job that I want to do during this hundred miler is to encourage other runners to keep going. I think that's the way you get through anything tough is you, you take the focus off yourself and, and you look for other people to bring along with you and create that draft. Absolutely. And, you know, and I think that just goes to show like how unique the trail running community is where, you know, like you are looking to drive that, like, Hey, I want to bring, I'm, I recognize you're in a low moment. Like let's share that. Right. Every time you pass somebody or, and I don't mean pass as an overtake, but more so exchange positions on the trail, whether, you know, face to face or what have you, is that what, what do they, what does everyone always say? Good job runner. Right. Yep. Or looking good. And, and sometimes, you know, you can kind of laugh and be like, I know I don't, but thank you. But the idea is, is like, like, I don't know who started that, but it's such a beautiful, healthy thing that it's, it just, it lets you know, like, Hey, you're still there and you're, you know, and you're still doing it and and you're all sharing it together. Yeah. Um, So yeah. Fantastic point. Yep. Well, I tell people all the time that if society were more like the ultra running community, we'd be okay. Sure. Well, (laughs) we were, we were joking about that on a run the other day where, uh, and I, this may take away from the question that you were asking earlier, uh, but it was like, if, if the world became this apocalyptic world, right. The, it would be the people that would be left would be this ultra running community that, that just breeds this like patience, presence, and positivity. They know how to refuel. They're always on the move, super supportive. And like, just the, this, this like mob of like awesome people moving like a tribe, you know, like, like, uh, like the Indians used to do this, like just yep. mobile platform. I was like, that's what you would see. Uh, you know, it, it would be like these little like ultra, ultra cultures, <laughs> ultra yeah. cultures. That should be on a t-shirt. I, but that should be, maybe, maybe we <laughs> should make a new t-shirt. We could put that on the back of an FGA t-shirt, can't we? Ultra culture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be fun. We'll start a new movement. There it is. Since, yeah, that's, that's always fun. Well, Chris, it has been an absolute delight to have you on, man. The way we like to wrap up when we're talking with people. You're sitting down with somebody who is been interested maybe in attempting a ultra marathon. They're nervous, scared, trying to figure out what they're in. What's the one thing Chris Guerra is going to tell this person that will help them be at ease and realize it's just about running? 
Yeah, I would, I would say if someone was, if someone had come in, they're like, Hey, I want to do this. Uh, I am, you know, I'm nervous and what to do. I would say just start walking. Like let's, let's learn the power hike. Let's learn the foundation of movement. And in that we will build confidence because the hardest part is really getting outside the door. And when you get outside the door and that door doesn't have to be a physical front door. It could just be a door that, that's something like a blockage, some, a fear, something that keeps you um, from just going out that particular day. And it would be like, Hey, just immerse yourself, right? Slowly. Like if you just put your toe in the water and then start moving and let it take over you. Don't force it. Don't say I need to be somewhere. Just let it happen. Get out, let movement do what it's supposed to do. And in that, like learn your trade, find the beauty in what you do, learn the elegance of it, learn the grace, and most importantly, practice perfectly. Awesome. Well, Chris, thank you so much. That'll do it for this week's episode of Living an Ultra Life. Thanks for listening. Really appreciate you guys. We'll see you next time on Living an Ultra Life.